0: podcast episode is brought to you by you the listeners a big thank you to everyone that's contributed a dollar or more to my subscription based funding platform at patreon.com/oceanallison that's p a t r e o n.com/oceanallison and for those that haven't visit patreon.com to watch my video and learn more about how you can help keep the podcast episodes coming and now to this month's episode This episode's ocean advocate is Anastasia Mikalochikina. Anna is the founder of Lean Orb, a Miami based startup using agricultural byproducts to create plant based food service packaging and products. Hi, Anna. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, very excited to chat with you on the show today and to learn all about Lean Orb, your company. Listeners, to give you guys a little bit of background on how Anna is joining us on the show today, we... Met very, very briefly recently at an event in Miami put on by Debris Free Oceans, which if you guys haven't heard of Debris Free Oceans, it's a nonprofit in Miami that does all kinds of amazing education and outreach and puts on lots of events all about bringing awareness to the plastic pollution issue facing our oceans and ourselves. So I was down there for that event and Anastasia was there and representing Lean Orb, she had her products out um, on display. And unfortunately, I didn't really get to talk with you that much, Ana. Uh, my husband, Greg, did get to <laughs> talk with you at length, which uh, he, you know, reported back to me and said you guys had a really great conversation. And I'm super intrigued by Lean Orb and inspired by it, really. So I wanted to have you on the show. Um, so listeners, hopefully you guys are going to enjoy this conversation as well. And uh... okay, so Anna, I wanted to start out by asking you I know that Lean Orb isn't necessarily like only an ocean conservation focused company. I mean, many of my guests on the show I have are ocean scientists or strictly ocean conservationists or, you know, pro surfers or whatever. However, you are really making a a product based company that on the surface maybe doesn't have anything directly to do with the ocean. But of course, we know that it has an amazing impact, positive impact on the ocean. So I want to start out by asking you... What is your connection with the ocean? Maybe, you know, in the past or currently, how would you describe your relationship with the ocean?
1: Well, for me, ocean, is I think for many people, is a medicine. You know, it uh, definitely heals me both physically and emotionally. I would say it was always a place of celebration, you know, where I was ultimately calm, content, and. You know, like you always feel that seeing it a million times would make you get used to its glory. (laughs) Yet kind of like the sense of wonderment uh, never goes away. And, you know, I try to spend as much time um, early mornings on the beach. Now it sets my mood in the direction, I think, of hope and kind of like relentless optimism, as I like to say it. This is where I begin my day. However, growing up in the city, I am from St. Petersburg, Russia. I would only get to be by the beach for a few weeks out of the year. And yet those were the happiest days and surprisingly the most vivid memories from my childhood. I would say at the age of 12, I believe, I declared to my parents that I wouldn't want to disappoint them But I wasn't planning to stay, meaning I plan to live somewhere warm (laughs) and definitely by the beach. And, you know, fast forward six years, I made my way to Miami. Go figure. And here I am now, a proud resident in the city of Miami and trying to spend every early morning by the beach.
0: That's amazing. While you didn't grow up by the ocean, it had an amazingly large impact on you, even at such a young age that you you know, decided yeah. you needed to live by the sea and, and now you are in Miami. Yeah,
1: you, know, you just, you have to envision it, I think. it's
0: It's been working
1: for me, you know, yeah. like some, some people find it silly, but as long as you can imagine yourself being in that place or doing that particular thing or building that company, um, eventually everything connects.
0: And so you go there most mornings to the beach and it's a source of calming, relaxation, and also I'm sure inspiration. And so I want to ask you... You know, maybe the ocean played a part. There were probably many other factors. What was your inspiration for starting Lean Orb? And again, listeners, Lean Orb, it's a company using agricultural byproducts to create food service packaging and products. So like plates, cups, utensils, um, you know, little to-go containers for food, all these sorts of things, but actually made from plants. So yeah, Anna, what was your inspiration for starting Lean Orb? So-
1: there is a really wonderful American author and journalist. His name is Stephen Cutler. He suggests that passion exists in the intersection of three things that you are truly, truly curious about. So, in order to sort of find yourself, you need to create a pattern of those things um, you're wondering about and questioning, and you know, eventually those dots will connect. So. I think that that number one for me, part of my upbringing was spending time with my nature-loving grandmother. She is a big influence to much of my values to this day. I think through her like wise view of the world that I had learned how resource-based household operates, how we are directly affected by the destruction that we cause to our ecosystems, it's sort of like always bothered me in the sense that we consider ourselves such innovative society, you know, with such advanced technology, yet we commit to something so economically and ethically unreasonable. Like, for instance, single use packaging that is made from fossil fuel, you know, that will take 500 some years to break down in our landfills. So I think it's It's discovering that using my lifetime, for instance, to spread a killer idea of sustainable living um, somehow always felt like a life well spent, you could say, or at least, you know, worth remembering. And then perhaps this question about entrepreneurship in all its forms, that no women in my family, at least, had an opportunity to become this like self-made woman. Um, And it made me curious always, you know, to ask why and um, if that's a conventional way, like, can we at least try? So I admire those very few female CEOs that went an unconventional way and sort of survived the gender battle. And to this day, the mindset of, I think, Russian society towards women entrepreneurs is a roller coaster. It's still a challenge. Women do rise up, but more often you see them still be recognized for their powerful male companions. And we won't change that in a day, but I think we can change that in at least my lifetime. So going back to that very thought that perhaps spreading an idea of gender equality and kind of like walking the walk myself would inspire younger girls to do the same or you know, to at least try because it is not for everyone. It's a very much of a lonely ride, like entrepreneurship in general. You know, you're always testing your assumptions and most of those are wrong, you know? So, but I truly believe that doing new risky things that you are passionate about can only come at a price of being an entrepreneur And it will lead you to a long-lasting happiness in your professional career. So considering that, you know, I'm clearly passionate about sustainability and energy optimization, social equality, you know, coming from more or less like oppressed, I think, society of Russian culture, um, I truly started questioning what it is I want to be part of, like what kind of company I would like to build and why. I kept coming back to the issues of environment, social impact, although environmental science is not my educational background. I graduated first with a degree in communication science and then went into graphic and web design. So I did a little bit of front-end development before I started my first company, which uh, is a creative agency and we do a lot of video production. But uh, outside of it, I was trying to figure out what are the topics that grab my attention when I'm not involved with my immediate work projects? What kind of articles am I reading? What it is I'm researching? What am I committed to? I tried spending a lot of my time with people that questioned and innovated and at least dreamed about a better future. I don't care if it's realistic dreams or unrealistic, but it's just like people that have an optimistic nature. So once I figured that out, I knew that if I want to find that place of of happiness and satisfaction professionally, I need to start looking up to people that are doing just that. And now I can say I'm fortunate to have friends that have dedicated their time building social ventures. Before I even knew what truly meant to be honest with you now I know it's profiting while setting some sort of like that positive effect on the world building anything with a global community in mind is a feel-good work and you know my mentors are mostly people of like minimalist nature that would always stand and speak against consumerism so once again eventually you know everything connects and all that information and all that inspiration and Lee was born I don't think all my dots are aligned just yet, and it's okay. Life is a journey after all, so I'm definitely still still writing it out. The next dot I personally connected was definitely election and our current political weather. I think there comes a time in life where proper planning takes too long, and you must act on whatever it is you think is right. So many people were not ready to become activists last year, but we did because we decided that we will not let political weather predict our environmental health. And it was important to so many people in my community, you know, that I've decided if I already generated this idea of a possible new enterprise that I would like to commit my time Is when is the best time to do it, the time is now, you know, because we're not going to be implementing, let's say, environmental regulations that I would particularly support. Um, so I started a company.
0: And the name Lean Orb, what is the meaning behind that name? For me, the
1: word lean goes back to like lean production and leaving lean or building a company with lean mindset. It's a resource-based lifestyle. Resource-based functionality is part of circle economy and it's definitely what I take. Most of my life is currently built in a sense of like, how do I close the loop and not commit to anything linear? You know, like how can I make products or work on projects that will generate a second life cycle, you know, and uh, this is how Lean Orb and Orb is an orbit. So I just, uh, I connected those two dots again. So that was Lean Orb.
0: I love that inspiration. I think the explanation is great. I also was kind of coming up with things in my head, you know, of maybe like what the meaning behind lean orb could be. And I was thinking of it as like, the orb is the planet. And then the lean is like, uh, by by creating these products that um, can actually decompose and can actually uh, be composted and are not going to be Creating lots of plastic pollution in our ocean—it's—it's it's creating a leaner, uh, cleaner orb planet that we live on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's just eliminating waste, you know. So how can we redesign our system and literally keep the waste moving in circular motion, you know? So it's no longer is going to even be looked at as waste. It's just a resource.
0: Okay, so I mentioned in the intro these products that you make are made from agricultural byproducts. Can you uh, give listeners some explanation as to which agricultural byproducts uh, you're using and kind of how that process works?
1: So orb we provide eco-friendly plant-based alternatives to plastic and, and styrofoam. And our primary focus right now, like disposable tableware, such as plates and cutlery cups, they got containers that are built on the zero-waste model. So we achieve that by working with an agricultural way, such as plant roots, uh, different grass fibers, uh, sustainable wood. Current raw materials include uh, sugarcane, wheat straw, fallen palm leaf, bamboo, birch wood, But also aside from the physical products that are already uh, being produced, Linorb has actually a very exciting collaborative design project uh, with Department of Biodesign at the University de los Andes in Bogotá, where we are growing mushroom-based products. I'm thrilled about it because uh, we've been getting uh, wonderful, wonderful results. And uh, of course, the aim behind is that I think we still need better solutions to replace plastics and even bioplastics if you ask me. So I'm really hopeful that our research can give us some some exciting results by the end of this year.
0: So the products that you're making out of these agricultural byproducts like you mentioned, like palm leaves and waste from wheat and sugarcane and all these things, so it's not it's not just that the the plates and cups and utensils that you're making are made from plants it's actually byproducts from agriculture so you're you're even using less resources to make them
1: yeah so it's all byproducts except for our uh, bamboo production Mm -hmm. but i try to think what kind of agricultural waste we can get creative with you know so we, we are experimenting uh with different fibers currently some work some doesn't but it's just a matter of, uh, you know, it, it's it's really difficult to build a company, but it's really easy when you are having fun doing so. <laughs> so this is the fun part, you know, like the, the testing different fibers and seeing, oh, wait, you know, like there's this agricultural waste that I never thought about, like what can we actually do with it?
0: And how does it work? I mean, do you just, uh, for instance, go to a wheat manufacturing plant and ask them hey can we have or buy all of your ground up wheat byproduct
1: yeah pretty, I mean pretty much uh, I research what had worked for others um, around the world you know what kind of startups they are what people experimented with and you know if somebody had made a chair out a, a peanut shelves let's say you know I'm, I'm thinking well, can we make a plate out of it? You know, so we don't have to reinvent the wheel um, every single time. There's so many exciting projects all over the world. We just kind of have to be transparent in a sense with each other, you know, and, and learn from one another. So I would, I'm working right now with three factories that are particularly focused on current products that we're manufacturing. But I'm also reaching out to Central and South America to see if we can work with, you know, yucca. It would be a very similar process with like sugarcane or wheat straw, but we'll be using different roots, for instance. But again, it, at times it's just a matter of uh, finding people that are already working with those byproducts, doing, you know, creating any product and figuring out whether or not we can get creative with it.
0: And you mentioned bioplastics a little bit ago. I'd love to talk a little bit about the difference between the products that you're making. And like you mentioned, many others around the world globally are also looking to make products that, you know, different products or similar products out of materials like you are, uh, which is which is so great. Yeah. But I'd love to talk about the difference between making a plant based product like Yours so making something out of fallen palm fronds and bioplastics so listeners if you're not really sure what bioplastics are bioplastics are like um, if you've seen a plastic cup you know you've been at a party you see a plastic cup and maybe it has like some leaves on it and you read the text on the cup and it says made from cornstarch. So this is a plastic that's not made from petroleum, not made from oil, which is what most plastics are made out of. So it is a step in the right direction. However, it still looks and feels like plastic. And um, even though it's based from a plant like corn, it still has uh, similar chemical properties to petroleum-based plastic. And, for instance, it's going to take a really long time to compost or decompose. And um, there's a lot of issues with it. So... I'd love to ask you, Anna. like, what are your views on bioplastics versus plant-based materials? And, you know, maybe you can even better explain it for listeners. So
1: I think our global effort to switch conventional oil-based plastic with eco-friendly, so to speak, bioplastics uh, made from plants is definitely causing us an enormous environmental problems and confusion for the customers. You know, like, this is the worst part, if you ask me, because we're making it a lot more difficult for people to understand what is the right thing to do, you know. So bioplastics require an industrial facility where we would essentially apply high temperatures to decompose it. And the market for bioplastics is growing annually at 30% scary number because we are not building the facilities that I mentioned to accommodate the end life cycle of those materials. So most of this waste, so to speak, compostable goods continuously still end up in landfills and those bioplastics um, in landfills producing methane and then the land is, is still lost due to chemical and environmental hazards
0: or they end up in our rivers lakes or oceans right exactly um, just like anything else just like petroleum-based plastic they are not breaking down unless they're heated to these really high temperatures exactly and
1: let's say bioplastics are now used by some of the biggest like food companies you know like walmart and mcdonald's they're all preaching that you know they were Wearing this environmental glow of of using bioplastics and it's used to package our like food and salads and the problem is that it's a poor solution to start with and we're trying to turn it into a new norm again so instead of fixing a problem long term we're putting a band-aid i don't think it's it's reasonable responsible or sustainable way of of looking at the problem We are not solving the problem of plastic by implementing bioplastics unless we are going to educate the consumer to recycle those materials better, and we're going to urgently build the facilities to accommodate it. But none of the two is happening. Let's say recycling companies say they would have to invest in very expensive equipment, you know, to extract bioplastic from waste when the recycling happens because. The consumer truly believes it's a plastic cup of some sort, so it probably should be thrown in the recycling bin. So what happens afterwards is that all of that material is taken to the facility for recycling. The good thing would happen if they can extract it and figure out which is bioplastic and which is plastics, you know. But if it doesn't happen, and then all of it get melted, it downgrades actually the whole batch. So now nothing is good for use in a sense, you know, because you're mixing plastics, petroleum-based plastics with bioplastics. And if it's separated on the occasion when it's separated, the only option is taking it again back to the landfills, you know, because recycling facilities are not composting facilities. And now they're just going to send it back to the landfills and where it will create that very same methane that we were talking about.
0: I think the only positive that I can draw, for instance, from this uh, growing trend of bioplastics, which obviously, like we just discussed, has a lot of complications. And really, it's confusing for consumers. And it's kind of like, yeah, like you said, a Band-Aid on an issue. And and really, moving towards plant-based materials, like for instance, the products you make at Lean Orb, is really the solution that I see. However, I think the only positive that I can really draw from this growing trend of bioplastics is that consumers clearly are interested in and support some kind of change. Change to the plastic products that we use, especially single-use plastics. Do you see an overall trend of moving towards socially conscious and environmentally conscious consumers? And I imagine that that's somewhat of a a staple in terms of starting Lenorb?
1: So I think the course of the world is, is changing and shifting. I think we are at the moment in modern history when emotional intelligence and the sort of like big picture humanistic thinking or belief is for the first time in history practiced by those who have the power and money. Just look at Silicon Valley, for instance, and with all the pros and cons, I think the pursuit of that group, you know, the, their main mission besides their companies, it's no longer just the capital. There's only so much money you need and can use in your lifetime. You know, the capital sort of becomes the result of this quest for problem solving mentality. So I think now a lot more people are, first of all, building the companies using, you know, transparency, like values such as transparency and like partnership for our global community, you know, partnership for humanity in general. They They understand that it's only through... You know, and some of it is unrealistic, but like almost generosity. You know, and like through generosity and innovation, we can build better companies. We can become stronger as a society. So, also people that are not building companies but work for companies. You know, like that's uh, that's the new mentality. This is uh, this is what you teach your employees, and and they take those values home with them. You know, so I think we have achieved quite a bit in the last 10 years. The exciting part is that overall, we are moving in the age of like belonging to one another. Uh, we start asking a lot more questions, you know, related to sustainability. So the goal for Lenorb currently is speaking to, I think, innovators and you know early adopters of that social change. Not everybody will change their learned behavior. It will take us some time, but you know the majority will still probably care about cost and convenience for a lot longer. But my personal goal is to only focus on people that think they will and can make a difference today. You know, it's it's not about tomorrow any longer. And I would like to also align Lenore to do business with companies that have that very same belief system as well. So absolutely, you know, like if you would ask me if Nord was a great idea 10 years ago, I would tell you no. I mean, I was probably too young to build a business in the first place, but now it's, it's exciting. You know, the response of people is exciting. People are learning about the company and kind of what my personal vision is for the region. And just like yourself, reaching out, trying to see how, how they can help and promote and connect and it's a really really amazing feeling you know when when strangers are trying to help you because they understand that we have the same vision for our communities.
0: Yeah I totally agree I definitely see a trend of feeling more interconnected, feeling more altruistic and feeling like we all need to work together to live better with our natural environment that that surrounds and supports us. Yeah, so you mentioned that there's been a lot of positive feedback from individuals like myself and those that are using your products, buying your products, a community really globally as well as locally for you in Miami. Where have you gotten the most positive response? Is it from companies that decide to adopt and purchase and use your products or is it from the consumers or, you know, where are you seeing a lot of positive response?
1: I see both. So definitely from the consumers, you know, people are exciting that more and more products uh, of that nature becomes available in the market. But not only that, uh, that we are a local company, you know, because a lot of Sustainability-driven enterprises, uh, you know, based, let's say, you know, in Denver or like anywhere in California. So having more companies actually being built and grown um, in South Florida is exciting to the consumer, to the locals. But outside of it, the private sector is definitely stepping up. People asking questions and. Uh, Although most of, let's say, hospitality-related businesses would still be a little bit intimidated uh, by the cost structure, but our pricing is is very much uh, the same as plastic and styrofoam at this point. So it's it's a matter of reaching out and explaining to businesses that it's not a scary jump. It's more of a learned behavior. Uh, when let's say plant-based disposables, um, you know, came out. 10 years ago, you know, for the first time, the cost difference was enormous. And since then, people just kind of gave up on that idea. But now um, restaurants are excited that they can afford contributing to our communities in those ways. And the consumer is demanding So to speak, like better products, you know, like we're no longer comfortable buying food and carrying it home and let's say take out containers that are toxic to our health and our communities and our ecosystems, you know, marine life. So overall, I'm getting this relentless optimism from private sector and the consumers, but uh, also policymakers, you know, we we we're getting a lot of support from different organizations locally, because uh, I think sustainability is cool. It's progressive. It's blue on most occasions. And everyone wants to be part of the progress, you know, like nobody wants to be left behind at this point. So people are asking like, well, we are ready. How, how do we do so? So for instance, we just launched Miami is not plastic campaign. The point behind the campaign is that we pretty much let the consumer know, you as a citizen you you as a resident in Miami should demand uh, with your consumer vote, so to speak, you know what kind of products and services you want to support you know like and we urge everyone locally to support enterprises and support restaurants that take a strong environmental stand so to help us you know fight plastic pollution. We ask private sector to ask us questions because we are ready. We have alternatives. Those alternatives um, are cost efficient, and it's it's a very easy transition. You know, like we no longer have to create all this distraction. And our policymakers are really excited also to come on board and see how fast we can implement you know, certain things in place, like for instance, you know, banning plastic disposables or, you know, let's say banning plastic bags and becoming a lot stronger, environmentally stronger community.
0: Miami is not plastic is an awesome initiative. And I know that Lean Orb is on the forefront of really trying to provide, like you said, those products and that information to restaurants, hotels, companies in Miami that are that are wanting to get on board with the Miami is not plastic campaign and provide their customers with really what they're wanting. So, um, it's great. So yeah, if you guys haven't heard of Miami is not plastic and you're interested to learn more, maybe you live in South Florida or maybe you live anywhere else in the entire world and are interested to learn what they're doing in Miami, what organizations like lean orb and debris free oceans and local politicians and local restaurants, they're all coming together to have this campaign. Miami is not plastic. And maybe, um, Others around the world can look at this model and follow suit, so to speak. So, um, I will link to Miami is not plastic.org when I post this podcast episode so you guys can learn more there. And I will also be linking to leanorb.com uh, so you guys can check out all of the products that lean orb is currently making like to go containers and plates and cups and cutlery all made from these agricultural byproducts um and and soon to potentially be made out of even new agricultural byproducts like she said that she's exploring so um and you can actually purchase them already on the site so maybe you're a restaurant owner or um, you're having a party or whatever you can actually purchase those products and know that you will be able to compost those products and uh They'll be good for your health and good for the planet's health. Um, and I will also link to Lean Orb's Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter when I post this podcast episode so you guys can connect with them on social media and stay in touch there. And Anna, I want to thank you so much for all the positive change that you are creating for the ocean and for the planet. And I also want to thank you for being on the show today. I really enjoyed talking with you.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: You just heard Anastasia Mikalichikina, founder of Lean Orb, a Miami based startup using agricultural byproducts to create plant based food service packaging and products. To learn more about the topics discussed in this podcast, visit my website at oceanallison.com and tune into next month's episode to hear another conversation between me and someone creating positive change for the ocean.